So, some breaking news. While we were in production of this episode, the details of InstructureCon 2020 have finally been released, and you do not want to miss your chance at this exciting three-day educator-led professional development. Everything you've heard through the past 10-plus episodes of this podcast, the insights, the student success, the tech, it can all be at your fingertips and guitar picks at InstructureCon as it heads to Nashville July 28th through July 30th at the Gaylord Opry Convention Center. Catch up on all things Canvas and Instructure in the 2019 recap video, and don't forget to register now. Links can be found in our show notes, as well as following the hashtag InstructureCon on all social media platforms. Welcome to episode 13 of the Canvas Casters podcast with Dr. Monica Burns. Eddie, what an episode. We have queued up a good one. Uh, she was, uh, when you guys listen to the interview, it's it's phenomenal. Obviously, kind of an ed tech legend, an ed tech guru, not Canvas related. We're just right off the bat, we should probably tell our audience there's not a lot of Canvas material in this episode. But so many of you had asked about like FETC and kind of what the conference is all about. She is the one to ask. And we talk about it in the episode and you'll hear it. Monica is out there. Lots of different ways to collaborate with her. So much content. She shares everything. Yes. And that's part of what we talk about and, and her passion for that. And that, we're passionate about that too. And that was a large part of why we wanted to reach out and talk to her. Very busy at the conference and give some really insightful tips on how to approach your next big conference as an attendee or presenter or both, but then also goes into some of the behind the scenes of her books, her website, her blog, her podcast. So I cannot wait for you guys to give it a listen. Check it out. Dr. Monica Burns is an ed tech and curriculum consultant, author, and former New York City public school teacher. She visits schools across the country to support pre-K through 20 teachers to make technology integration meaningful and sustainable. Monica's website, classtechtips.com, helps educators place tasks before apps by promoting deeper learning with technology. Monica, Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. We're really, really excited to have you on the show. We sort of teased it a little bit on social media talking about, and we reached out to you initially because of FETC. Uh, we know how much of an impact you have on a day-to-day -day on social media, but specifically we wanted to kind of catch up with you about what was happening at that conference. And so now that you're back and dealing with that change in climate from lovely Miami to the East Coast. Tell us about FETC for you this year. Tell us a little bit about your experiences, your impressions, because I'm dealing with still even the next week, a little bit of FOMO. Tell us about FETC. Well, this was my fifth year at FETC and my third coming in as a featured speaker, which was lots of fun. And I just love this conference. It's one where you're kind of kicking off the calendar year at least, right? You're re-energizing when you're in the midst of the school year. And I felt like this year was just as wonderful as years past. There's a little change in location when it's been in Orlando the past few years. I know it'll be back in Orlando the next couple years, but being in my Miami Beach was lovely in January, um, spending time 
connecting with educators, not just in my sessions, but in the hallways or on the expo floor. It was really fun. You know, I found that the expo hall was top notch, lots of folks there. I had really great conversations. I found some new things I hadn't seen before, got to play around with some coding tools that I had heard of, but I hadn't seen in action, had the chance for some one-on-one conversations there. Um, But then you really just kind of moving around the space, running into people in the hallway, right? Having those casual conversations, I found it to be a really special event. And as I mentioned, you know, a favorite way to kick off the year. You mentioned the location change. What kind of impact did that have? Because I've always, my knowledge of FETC has always been, oh, it's in Orlando. And I've always thought to myself, self, I got to go to that one because it's, you know, Disney World. Like, let's, let's be honest. So changing that location to Miami, what were your impressions as sort of a seasoned uh, presenter and attendee there? How did it compare? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm a big fan of Orlando too. I definitely have tagged on days for Epcot and Harry Potter World and stuff in past visits. I don't want to pretend like that's not a, a nice perk of being in the Orlando area. But Miami was lovely. I mean, it was just beautiful weather. The convention center was brand new, which is always neat to be in a space like that where you haven't been there for an event before. You know, one great thing about about a conference being in the same location multiple years is that even though a whole year goes by, you walk in with a little bit of confidence like, oh, I know where that is or I know where to find that or you just start remembering how to navigate <laughs> kind of a large space right after you're there for a couple minutes. Um, so this conference center or convention center, you know, being a new space, I found it super easy to navigate, pretty straightforward, definitely big, which is always a thing <laughs> when you're in a convention center and typically is, you know, the gripes people have no matter where you are of how far away something might be from another place. But that really comes with the territory when you have an event that brings in thousands of, you know, thousands of educators in. So I found the location change nice and refreshing just to be in a different spot. I've been to Miami a few times, but never for an event like this. So being in the new space, in a brand new convention center, everything worked, right? The Wi-Fi worked, the projection screen worked. Sometimes when you go to a space that's kind of new, you're not sure if they've figured all the little things out yet, but it was lovely. And so, of course, you know, I'm excited that next year we'll be back in Orlando because Orlando is great too. But I thought that this was a really nice, a really nice event. Monica, for those that kind of get overwhelmed at such a a big event and big venue and they look at the schedule, they look at all these great things going on and they want to make time for uh, the vendor hall. What's kind of your strategy or what would be a good strategy for either first time goers or second time goers to some of these larger conferences? So there's a few different ways I'll approach an event like this. So first off, you know, I go straight to the schedule of the sessions and usually I'm looking for Kind of with two different lenses. First, I'm looking for topics. So there's so many great things. And I'll usually walk into a conference with a couple of things on my mind. Like maybe I'm working or advising a school that's really thinking about formative assessment routines, or I myself am working on a project that might have to do more with virtual reality. So I'll come into an event with the app of or the schedule, really looking at some keywords and thinking about narrowing down that way first. Um, along those same lines, I'll look and I'll start thinking about who I want to hear from. So if I know that there's going to be a particular speaker there, sometimes I'm less concerned on what their overarching topic is. I'm more excited because I know that they provide so much value that even if it's a topic that might be a little adjacent to some of my 
typical goals or the goals I've identified with that keyword search, you know, I'll look at that as well. So those are the two things I'm thinking about with the sessions is, you know, is this a topic that's front of mind for me right now or that I know is coming down the pipeline for me? And then who is going to be there? Because I know I want to hear from certain people. And sometimes those two things overlap, of course. Um, What I do always keep in mind uh, with any conference is that if I'm in a space and it's just not the right fit for me, right, it's not meeting my goals. I spent, you know, some time in there and I feel like I may have got something, but there's another competing interest at the same time. You know, I'm not afraid to kind of make decisions with my feet, as they say, right, and walk to another space. Um, I also try to be mindful when I have a busy schedule, especially a busy presenting schedule, that if I'm in a specific location, I have, you know, an hour or so in between obligations then I tend to do a bit of a circle and say, what's right here, (laughs) right? So maybe sometimes it's my location that's dictating for me. You know, I don't want to walk across a conference center. There's five things going on near me and I'm going to peek into these rooms and find a seat and get value from that too. So that's typically how I navigate the sessions when I'm at a conference, whether I'm an attendee solely or whether I'm wearing, you know, both a presenter and attendee hat. And I always want to make time for the expo hall. And so a lot of times the expo hall is pretty crowded right after a keynote session or right before a keynote session or social that might be happening at a particular time. So knowing that, and if I am able to be more flexible, I'm going to try my best to hop into a kind of expo hall loop, if you will, during one of those off times where it might be a little bit more quiet. You know, of course, it's nice to have the energy of a bustling expo hall floor, right? When people are all kind of gearing up or going to one area or another within a conference session, or I should say within a corner of uh, the expo hall in between conference sessions. But I do like to have some time to have conversations with folks when they're at a booth. So that's something that I try and think of too. What are some of the off times where I can go in and it might be a little bit more quieter as I'm doing my loop around and peeking and seeing what people are excited about. So piggybacking off of that, who really impacted you this year at FETC or what types of things did you see that were really engaging and kind of motivated you with new ideas? So one of the things that was really kind of, I always love is being able to be part of a panel or a group presentation. I feel like I get so much out of that, the collaborating that happens beforehand, but then also the kind of in the moment type of presentation. And so one thing that was really fun that you know got me just you know motivated to try out some new things was the educator orientation track. So at FETC there's a few different tracks that you can follow. So if you're coming in as a coach, you might follow this track or if you're coming in as an admin, you might follow this track of kind of predetermined menu or selection of sessions. And so I helped kick off the educator orientation track um, with some folks. So with Rushton Hurley, with Tony Vincent, with Desiree Alexander. And what I really got excited about with kind of that role or, or that opportunity was just feeling their enthusiasm, seeing how they shared tips and strategies for folks that were new. And I really 
took that with me through the next few days of the event and were able to even use some of the tips that they shared during that orientation for folks who are new to FETC and sometimes new to conferences in general. Rushton's so great. You, t- you named like three or four people that I'm like, those people are just absolutely amazing. So absolutely. Thank you for sharing. Kind of referring back to sort of the approach that you've taken uh, to FETC and I'm assuming probably most conferences in terms of kind of having a game plan ahead of time, which I love. From my perspective on, on much smaller scales, I've had a similar experience in trying to wrap my mind around, you know, what I'm there for. Am I presenting? Am I attending? Am I doing both? What things should I attend that will best serve the needs in my case, for my school district. And that was a big change for me personally. So when you were speaking about that and, you know, sort of this corporations that you're working with and what are their needs, uh, that really spoke to me because that was a transition for me. I was, you know, for years and years, you you went and you attended conferences for yourself. Certainly that's how I was approaching it as a, as a classroom teacher. And then when my role became more of a coaching role, then it was more like, what do my teachers need may or may not have anything to do with, you know, my specific interests or drives or passions, but what's going to serve the, the greater, the greater good of the, of the group. So I, that really spoke to me. So I just, I just love that you have a game plan, you know, you're not just going in there blindly. Uh, so that's really great. You're a seasoned, you know, professional. I've been to a session of yours. I've seen the wide array of content that you present on sort of reflecting back on your experience last week. What takeaways did you have or do you have from your own sessions that you might use to adjust sort of going forward? Well, anytime I'm presenting and, you know, when you're sharing resources in different spaces, right, you you're kind of of that mindset that this is not something that's brand new, right? Or this is not something that is totally novel to someone because, you know, I know I'm so used to certain things, right? Or I'm using them so frequently, whether I'm visiting schools and using these tools in action or I'm sharing them at a conference. So one thing that I always try and think of and, you know, I'm reminded of when I'm giving a presentation is that, you know, sometimes, you know, things are new, right? And so as much as I'm ready to look for something kind of different to share, I always like coming back to those pieces that are really core. And, you know, sometimes it surprises me when I say, hey, has anyone heard of this tool or has anyone tried out this strategy? And I kind of, I don't get anyone in the room, right? Or just a couple of people who've heard of that thing that I'm so used to before. And so that's one thing that I took away, you know, from this event is that there are still some kind of areas where, you know, things are are not being adopted as, as much as you might hope or when you're wearing kind of this presenter hat so much and you're sharing and talking about things a lot, it's always important to remember that something that might not be new for you, right, is still going to be new for someone else. So that's one thing I try and keep in mind is this idea of, right, making sure I'm really reading the room and noticing if something is, right, a completely new idea for someone, even though I might have put it into practice, right, for a while. And so that, you know, going hand in hand with, you know, another big takeaway is just people are excited about actionable resources, right? Things that they can put into practice right away. And at this um, particular event, I did a couple what I call listicle (laughs) sessions, right, that start with a number. And so, right, those are ones where I sometimes hesitate to frame some of the things I'm sharing with those kind of listicle numbers, right? Sometimes it gets a bad rap when we see all the blog posts that you, you know, click on with that kind of clickbaity feel to it. But I really um, was reminded again, right, in addition to this idea of, right, some things are still going to be new and it's important we spend time on it. 
you know, the other pieces goes along with the listicles that if this is something that is going to get people in the door, right, it's not a bad thing, right? If you are focusing in on the strategies, if you are focusing in on the best practices, as opposed to just handing someone a list of websites they can check out, right, that correspond to a certain number. And so when I do those presentations, even though they might have that kind of listicle feel to them in title or, you know, in their description, I really try and remind people that this is something where they don't want to do all 14 of these things, right? They only want to focus in on two or three, right? Make sure it's quality over quantity. But I come back to that reminder that, well, you know, hopefully they will leave here with something that they can put into practice. So I think those were my big takeaways is just really reminding myself that I need to focus in on what might be new for someone else and that's fantastic and we need to revisit those things. But then, of course, framing those listicle style presentations in a way that is going to help people get value as opposed to overwhelm. The idea of the the overwhelming aspect, I've spoken to a lot of teachers who have attended sessions of that type that you're describing where it's a lot of sort of here are the things that I know that you may not. Um, and those definitely are valuable. But I love your angle and approach to keeping track of picking and choosing and not getting yourself overwhelmed. I have teachers that will come to me after attending a conference and say, you know, something like, oh, I learned about this new thing at this conference. Can you teach me? Because a lot of times, right, like it's a, you know, 150 ways to whatever. And so I I like how you're approaching it and how you're framing it, where it's, you know, how can you take this thing that I may be showing you for the first time, but how can you actually apply it, use it? And so, uh, again, I love the I love the approach there. The Canvas fam got a little bigger this week, and we'd like to welcome the following listeners to the podcast. Corey Edwards, who is at Corey Edwards in Utah. Teach NVACS. That is at Teach NVACS. It's a collaborative network of Nevada educators. Santa Sharp in New York, at Santa Sharp. Mark Sarveri, at Sensitive Sci. That's Sensitive S-C-I in New York. And Mrs. Schlecht, at Mrs. Schlecht. That's S-C-H-L-E-C-H-T in Parts Unknown. And I apologize if I butchered any of those names, but we're happy to have you as part of the Canvas fam and make sure to give them a big panda hug on social media and follow Follow them as we create this community of users. So, Monica, because I've attended sessions of yours and Eddie and I follow you on Twitter, you've got your website, you've got your podcast. We know how willing and excited you always seem to be about creating content uh, to help teachers and then sharing that content. Uh, Why do you feel that this approach is so important? Well, it's been a really interesting several years now, right? Almost a decade sharing resources in the different avenues that you mentioned. And, you know, one of the reasons that I got started in that process of thinking beyond the four walls of the classroom I was teaching in was because I was asked to come and speak and share at an event local here in New York City. And right away, this was in 2012, right? 
everyone, you know, who I kind of chatted with afterwards said to me that kind of the same thing, right? Do you have a blog? Do you have a Twitter account, right? Where can we kind of keep along, you know, follow along with your journey and keep up with everything? And that's when I started sharing different resources. And that's obviously grown, you know, substantially in terms of the avenues. It's something I do full time now um, between the podcast, the Easy Ed Tech podcast and my blog, Class Tech Tips. And so, you know, I think it's so important to share resources in a variety of um, different kind of ways for people to interact with the content. So although the blog has been really fun and I'm continuing to do that, it's been going on since 2012. I launched the podcast this past year because again, responding to some of these, you know, more casual conversations when I was finishing up an event and people would ask me, you know, I heard it more than once and then it kept going, right? Do you have a podcast? I would love to listen to this. I would love to hear this, right? So I think it's been an interesting way um, the past few years to think about how to share content in the ways people consume it. So the podcast, the blog, the books, um, even the bite-sized kind of tweets or smaller moments, or even the Instagram stories that I try my best to keep up with. And I think the approach that I've taken of a few different avenues to share what is essentially you know similar content. I'm not creating something brand new for every platform. Um, I think it's important to meet people where they are in order for for them to access resources that they can then put into practice. And speaking to that point, Monica, you are the author of five books and it covers multiple topics within the ed tech world. We could probably spend the entire episode digging into all of your books, but can you tell our listeners a little bit about how your most recent book, Tasks Before Apps, came about? Absolutely. So Tasks Before Apps has been kind of my, my gut check or mantra, if you will, when I'm having conversations with educators about the why, right? Why are we doing this? Why are we bringing in this particular device? Why do we want this website to bring it into our conversations when we're planning an activity for students? And so this idea of tasks before apps is really about focusing in on the learning goal, making sure that that is staying front and center, right? As we're making decisions about how to integrate digital tools into classrooms. And so That book has three kind of big areas that I cover on creation, so what kids are making to show what they've learned, on collaboration, so how they're working together, not just sharing a Google Doc, but face-to-face as well, and then curiosity. So how are we honoring what kids are interested and excited about or what they don't know they don't know when they're going off to learn about new things? And it was really fun to put this together, and it's been exciting to see just the response to it. Just earlier today, I had a school email me about purchasing you know, copies for an event that I'm doing with them next month to give to some of their teachers because I really tried to make sure that it was actionable. It had information you could put into practice. It was evergreen. So although, of course, I mentioned some favorite apps and websites because you need something in your tool belt <laughs> to put these ideas into action, right? I tried to make it so that it's customizable. So if you happen to be using one platform or another, right, you you are ready to run with these ideas and tailor them to your particular group of students or to your content area. When you talk about tailoring things, no, regardless of what you're using, I think we have to be flexible in education because most of the apps that we use either go freemium, you know, they, they go to the paid version before we know it, and then we have to find something different. So we have to be flexible, basically teaching those concepts, right? That's kind of uh, where you're going with a lot of this. Exactly. So just 
making sure that teachers know that they can be flexible, that they can differentiate with these tools. They don't have to do one thing for everyone, that they can leverage certain features like the use of voice or voice recording or voice to text with one group of students, one small group, but then maybe have other students doing more you know, of a composition of sentences that they're pulling together as they build a website. So I really love the flexibility and that's what I try to communicate to educators who are designing different learning experiences year by year semester by semester, day by day, or even within a group of students that they see all year long. Now, Monica, I I have a tough question for you. So like, (laughs) buckle up. I hope you're sitting down. (laughs) Um, But, you know, you've got a lot of experience uh, in education and you've been able to have the opportunity to present all over the place. So you've got sort of an amazing sample size of educators around the world. What are we educators, the collective we, what are we doing right in education? Well, one thing that I've found, you know, really, really reassuring over the past few years is that, you know, when I hear people having conversation and using terms like screen time, I'm excited, right? And that I'm hearing people talk more about quality of screen time as opposed to measuring minutes, of screen time. And so that's been one thing that's felt really nice in the conversations I've been having with educators is that this shift away from, you know, measuring minutes as opposed to measuring quality experiences and knowing that those are two different things. That's been really that's been feeling really good as I go to different places, right? That folks are coming from you know, understanding that, you know, we need to increase the quality of these interactions as opposed to just getting kids interacting with a device because we got them delivered and now here they are. <laughs> I can appreciate that uh, as well. I, <laughs> we just had that similar conversation in, in the class that I was teaching today, uh, eighth grade technology. And we talked about, you know, the screen time discussion. And, you know, it's quite an interesting thing when you have that conversation with adults. Uh, it's it's interesting uh, when you have it with eighth graders because <laughs> they, man, they they opened my eyes to some some interesting elements of that. But I, I, I definitely am on board with what you're saying in terms of the quality comparison versus just the, the sheer minutes. That's what we're maybe doing right. So, Okay, you know, self-reflection here. What are you seeing out there that you think, man, this is a sort of a widespread uh, place of improvement? I would say one thing that I think across the board, you know, I'm noticing people are, are thinking about, but there's a lot of room to grow is around this balance between consumption and creation. I think going alongside that conversation of quality screen time, uh, people are getting more thoughtful about what it is students are consuming. But I don't think that we're quite where I would love to see us. And of course, this is a generalization, right? Where I'd love to see us with creation in the classroom. So more and more, I'm you know talking to educators about how, you know, it's not kids making a movie, but they are researching to create a public service announcement, right? And it's not kids just making a website. It's students taking their collection of poetry from the school year and publishing it in online space with visuals that bring it to life for an audience, right? So this idea of creation, creating something new, whether it is in more of a podcast format or an, you know, 
a visual format, right? Getting kids talking and sharing, right? This new thing that they've learned, whatever it might be in whatever subject area, math tutorials, right? Interviews with someone in the community as kids are thinking about foreign language practice or thinking about their speaking and listening skills. There's just so many ways to get kids making something where they're applying what they've learned, synthesizing information from a variety of sources. And although I'm seeing more of that, right? That's one area where I really think that that we could all be more thoughtful about how we're infusing that, not just even into culminating projects, but into smaller moments and more everyday experiences with students. Dr. Burns, who are you following on social media? Who are your go-tos to kind of energize you or those creative things that you're seeing uh, on social? You know, we talked about FETC a bit. And whenever I know that I have a conference kind of coming up, I'm always looking to see not only what that organization is posting, but I love following the hashtags that go along with events even before they start. So when I am kind of pre or during or after an event, I'm following hashtags very closely. But when it comes to organizations or people, you know, I love following Edutopia. I've done some writing for them in the past, not too recently, but I love seeing the new content that they share. You know, there's folks that I know face-to-face. Jennifer Williams is a great example. She has a new book and has been tweeting with the hashtag teach boldly. So she's one that I'm following along and love seeing the resources that she shares. So whether it's an organization or an individual in terms of their actual handle, right, there's those ones that jump out for me. But I'm also excited about hashtags, the create edu one, or everyone can create or two that I follow. And so those are things that I'm always on the lookout for. I can't wait to get those into the notes because <laughs> people <laughs> just, are going to want to like, boom, 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 right. boom, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just added, I actually had just add them to show notes so our listeners can can follow along with those people. That's oh, perfect. Incredible. Monica, where can people find uh, you out there? We've mentioned, made some references. Where can we find you? Where can we reach out? How can we get a hold of your books? All of the things. All the things, yeah. So my blog, classtechtips.com, is where everything is. So you can find my books there. You can find links to my podcast, the Easy Ed Tech podcast there. And you can find all of my new blog posts. And then on social, I'm just at class tech tips. And I've been trying the past year to do a good job of being consistent on Instagram and Twitter is a place that I've been for a long time. And so that's where you can connect with me. And if you have questions, I'm pretty good about, you know, answering those DMs and those emails and all of that. Uh, So anyone can feel free to reach out and, you know, share something they're excited about too. Monica, we cannot thank you enough for agreeing to do a little FETC wrap up show with Marcus and I. Uh, This has been so great. So thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Everybody's talking.